scripture passage this evening listen to the bulletin is Exodus 20 that I mentioned to you that I would like to read the other place where the Ten Commandments can be found in the scriptures for us so that we are familiar with, with both texts and that's Deuteronomy chapter 5 verses 1 through 22 and that's not on page 118 it is on page Two hundred eighty-two. This is Deuteronomy chapter five, verses one through twenty-two. This is Moses' last speaking to the congregation of Israel as before they go into the promised land. He says these words: Moses summoned all Israel and said, "Hear, O Israel, the decrees and laws I declare in your hearing today. Learn them and be sure to follow them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb." It was not with our fathers that the Lord made this covenant, but with us, with all of us who are alive here today. The Lord spoke to you face to face out of the fire on the mountain. At that time, I stood between the Lord and you to declare to you the word of the Lord, because you were afraid of the fire and did not go up the mountain. And he said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor the alien within your gates, so that your manservant and maidservant may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God has given you. And the sixth commandment, what we'll be looking at this evening, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not set your desire on your neighbor's house or land, his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to to your neighbor. These are the commandments the Lord proclaimed in a loud voice to your whole assembly there on the mountain from out of the fire, the cloud, and the deep darkness. And he added nothing more. Then he wrote them on two stone tablets and gave them to me. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word, may he bless it to the hands, hearts, and minds of his people. We'll also be looking at Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 40. It can be found in the back of your green Psalter handles on page. 53. We can uh, read the answers together with one voice. What is God's will for us in the sixth commandment? I am not to belittle, insult, hate, or kill my neighbor, 
not by my thoughts, my words, my look, or gesture, and certainly not by actual deeds. And I am not to be party to this in others. Rather, I am to put away all desire for revenge. I am not to harm or recklessly endanger myself either. Prevention of murder is also why government is armed with the sword. Does this commandment refer only to killing? By forbidding murder, God teaches us that he hates the root of murder. Envy, hatred, anger, vindictiveness. In God's sight, all such are murder. Is it enough then that we do not kill our neighbor in any such way? No. By condemning envy, hatred, and anger, God tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves. To be patient, peace-loving, gentle, merciful, and friendly to him. To protect him from harm as much as we can. And to do good even to our enemies. As far as the teaching of the catechism. The Sixth Commandment is quite a shift in the way that the commandments have come before us. Many of them come with words that explain or words that deepen our understanding concerning the Sabbath or how we're not to make an idol from anything in the heaven above or on earth below or how we shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God because God will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name, so on and so forth. And then the Sixth Commandment, you shall not murder. In the Hebrew, it's even a bit more terse than that. It's two words. No murder. And the word there is meant to be understood as murder, not kill. So this is not a prohibition against someone being in the army or, let's say, even the government having the death penalty. No murder. Not murder. It's one, maybe, that... uh, like the rich young ruler, we might feel pretty confident about. One in which we say, you know what, I got that one. I haven't killed anyone. I haven't murdered anyone. I'm good at least on the sixth. And that's exactly what the Lord Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount and the Catechism wants to destroy. And wants us to see that the commandments are not simply pointing to outward actions. But the inward reality of our hearts. So let's look at it together. Theme for this evening. Walking, or we could say living, right? Walking with the living God. Walking with the living God means we must value the life He has given us and others. Walking with the living God means we must value the life He has given us and others. The idea behind this is that God is the living God. God is the giver of life. God is the one who's given all life. And more importantly, He's given that life in the image of God. 
So we are to value life as he does. Point number one, whoever hates others, and I'm abbreviating or making it short because I can't write all of this, walks with Satan. And what is the way Satan walks in? He walks in the way of death. Satan is a murderer from the start, as we're told in the scriptures. But whoever loves others walks with God. Whoever loves others walks with God. And where does God walk? He walks in the light of life. And then finally, whoever walks with Jesus can walk in love for others. Usually I try to make my points shorter so I don't have to write all this on the board, but tonight that did not work out. So theme, walking with the living God means we must value the life he's given us and others. First point, which correlates with the first question and answer. Whoever hates others walks with Satan in the way of death, in the path of death. Point number two, which corresponds with the second question and answer in Lord's Day 40. Whoever loves others walks with God in the light of life. And then third, corresponds to the final question and answer in Lord's Day 40. Whoever walks with Jesus can walk in love for others. Look at point number one, then, together. Hate and Satan. You get the point. Whoever hates others walks with Satan in the darkness of death. Look at me. Look with me at question 105. What is God's will for us in the sixth commandment? Answer, I am not to belittle, insult, hate, or kill my neighbor. Not by my thoughts, my words, my look, or gesture, and certainly not by actual deeds. And I am not to be party to this and others. Rather, I am to put away all desire for revenge. I am not to harm or recklessly endanger myself either. Prevention of murder is also my government is armed with the sword. So right off the bat, we see the catechism bringing us to that inward reality, right? It says, bring it with me, belittle, insult, hate, or kill. And it says, how can we do this? Thoughts. Words, looks, even body language, it says, right? And right off the bat, you want to say, wait, I thought we were talking about the sixth commandment, right? The one that says you shall not murder? What is this? What is this going on here? Why, why is it telling us that we shouldn't belittle, insult, hate, kill? Uh, we shouldn't do this with our thoughts, words, looks, body language. 
And then it finally says, and certainly not by actual deeds. Because if we, if we fall praying to maybe even the common understanding of, of the Ten Commandments is that all the Ten Commandments are about are actual deeds. They aren't about the condition of our hearts. They aren't about the inward realities. And that's exactly why Jesus spoke in the Sermon on the Mount. He spoke in the Sermon on the Mount about this very thing. And he brought down the spirit of the law, right? Verse 21, chapter 5 of Matthew, page 1502. Jesus says this, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. So Jesus is saying, you've heard this. You've heard this spoken of. Getting after the misuse or the misapplication of the law by the Pharisees and Sadducees and Sanhedrin of his time. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, or fool, right? Is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. So Jesus takes the outward. The Pharisees say, no, don't worry. All you need to do in order to obey the sixth commandment is not murder someone. Not take your hands and murder someone. But Jesus says, no, it's, it's about your heart. It's about the fact that your heart hates. Your heart is walking with Satan in the darkness of death. Satan, who was a murderer and a liar from the start, Satan who wants death, wants destruction, wants to destroy. Satan who breaks in to kill and to steal, right? That's Satan. Satan's heart is a murderous heart. A heart that desires death, that hates. So, point number one tells us whoever hates others walks with Satan in the darkness of death because... To look upon another image bearer of God and to hate them, belittle them, insult them with thoughts, words, looks, body language is to be like Satan. I know it's harsh, it may even seem like a burden that is overwhelming. But remember, once again, that we are in the portion of the catechism speaking to the gratitude that we have. Because these are the kinds of things that put everyone in the same group, aren't they? How many of us have not belittled someone, insulted someone, thought of someone in an evil way, used words that were uh, down, uh, cut, cut down? We had, I mean, how many of us have had looks at people in body language 
I don't know about you, but I drive around in the Chicago area and I give plenty of looks. And I, I saw a new record recently where a, a man was sitting at a turn lane and the, the light, the arrow, the turn arrow, the arrow for green went on. And it was at least, like, I'm not even kidding, at least half a second before someone honked at them. I said, that's a new record. So we're being, we're being brought to this inward reality because, because when Satan fell, it was because his heart was filled with greed, envy, pride, right? It's that inward reality. Whoever hates others walks with Satan in the darkness of death. I want to point out a couple other things in question and answer 105. We are not to murder with our thoughts, our words, our looks, our gestures, and certainly not by actual deeds. And then it states, I'm not to be party to this in others. Which is to say, we are not even to be what we would call innocent bystanders in circumstances like this. We are not to be okay with it when we see others taking part in it. And I think that's extremely important, especially when it comes to words. Because it's very, very easy to get in a group and to start picking on somebody who's not there and can't represent themselves. And... and, and Throw a bunch of words around. But as Christians, we're supposed to say, no, that's, that's hating a brother or a sister, or that's hating someone who's made in the image of God, that's murdering them in our heart. And then it says, I am not to harm or recklessly endanger myself either. As I read that, I thought to myself, I wonder if this has any application to roller coasters to uh, jumping out of a, a plane with parachute. And I think you could you know, make that extension, but the idea is you're not to purposely put yourself in danger because life is valuable. And it is unwise to simply put, your risk, put yourself at risk for dying. And then the final thing, prevention of murder is also why government is armed with a sword. It's interesting that the catechism applies prevention of murder as the reason why, Paul says in Romans 13, the government bears the sword. So the idea there is that the law and the government bearing a sword functions as a, a way in which evil is held back. Therefore, if the law in the land is, don't murder the idea is that there would be less murdering, especially if the proper and just punishment is applied, as in eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You murder someone, you deserve the death penalty. That's a just thing. That's equal balances, right? We also have in our second point, though, loves others, walks with God. That corresponds to Question and answer 106. Does this commandment refer only to killing? Answer is by forbidding murder. God teaches us that he hates the root of murder. Envy, hatred, anger, vindictiveness. So the root of murder. Envy. Hatred. Anger. 
vindictiveness, or we could say revenge, a desire for revenge. In God's sight, all such are murder. All such are murder. Look at me with one of the proof texts, 1 John chapter 2, verse 9 through 11. It's in the back of your Bibles. I'll tell you what page it is when I get there. I think it's after Hebrews. 1 John chapter 2, verse 9 through 11. Look at what John says about a true Christian believer, one who has true faith. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light and there's nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness, walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. So this is kind of a... um, a test, right? If you love your brother, you show that you are walking in the path of life with God. If you hate your brother, you show that you're continuing to walk in the path of death with Satan, the darkness of death. The problem with this text here in First John is that we can absolutize it because the truth of the matter is if envy, hatred, anger, vindictiveness are the root of murder and God hates that and God views that as murder, then sometimes I love my brother and sometimes I hate my brother. The difference is continual ethic of repentance What is my attitude when I realize that I'm hating my brother? It's to go to God in repentance, to ask him to give me a new heart, ask him to help me love my brother, ask him to help me to see that I am to love him with all my mind, soul, strength, and I am to love my neighbor as myself. That is what we're called to. What we're called to is to recognize when hate is in our hearts and to continually call upon God that by his spirit he may continue to sanctify us that we would not have envy, hatred, anger, vindictiveness. I think it's particularly important when we talk about revenge People who have been wronged, hurt, have had injustices against them. That we speak about the fact that God is the one who brings vengeance. That we are not supposed to seek it ourselves. We are to trust in his justice. We are to trust in his righteousness. We are to trust that one day he will make all things right. Look at me. Look with me. I keep saying look at me. Look at me. Look with me at Romans chapter 12 verse 
17. 1,764 is the page. It says here, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. For me, the fact that we live in a fallen world in which injustices are done all the time, the fact that we live in a fallen world where we have rape victims and we have people who have lost someone to murder and that person is still alive and we have all these harsh and difficult realities, yet here in the sixth commandment we are called to love others and to walk with God in the light of life. And how can we do that? How can we do that when we know that this is wrong that the scriptures tell us? Do you think that you are more just than God? Do you think that you can bring a more pure and true vengeance than God who says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. We are called to leave it up to the Lord. We're called to leave it up to the Lord and to walk in love. We're called to feed our enemies, to give them something to drink. Christ said we're to love our enemies, right? So first John tells us to love our brothers. Romans chapter 12. Christ in the Sermon on the Mount calls us to love our enemies. And we should understand that because we're told in the scriptures that at one time you were enemies of God. That's what it says of you, right? But in the fullness of time, Christ came and died for you, that those of us who were enemies of God might become children of God. Love your brother. Love your enemies. When we do that, we walk with God in love, upholding the value of life in our neighbors. So... I'm going to just put walk with Christ. Because this is how it brings it home for us. Whoever walks with the Lord Jesus can walk in love for others. Whoever walks with the Lord Jesus can walk in love for others. It says, is it enough that we do not kill our neighbor in any such way? The answer is no. By condemning, condemning envy, hatred, anger, God tells us, to love our neighbor. Neighbor is always one of those words that I, every time I write it, I feel like I did it wrong. To love our neighbor as ourselves. And then look, the opposite response to these other terms we've used in the catechism, belittle, insult, hate, thoughts, words, looks, gestures, is it gesture? 
Thank you. You guys were all, you all, you all knew that and you didn't tell me. Why would you not speak up, okay? See, I came around, gesture. By condemning envy, hatred, and anger, God tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves, to be patient. Peace-loving. Gentle. Merciful. Friendly. To protect him from harm. And to do good even to our enemies. When we look at this, we, we see... We see the way in which Christ walked in this world. He loved his neighbor as himself. He was patient, peace-loving, gentle, merciful, friendly. He protected his friends, and he did good even to his enemies. Whoever walks with the Lord Jesus can walk in love for others because as Christ came into this world, died upon the cross was resurrected and now ascended and ascended at the right hand of God the Father, pouring out His Spirit, He says, now you have the mind of Christ. Now you are being conformed to the image of His Son. Now you are renewing your mind. Now you are to be living sacrifices of praise to Him. The gratitude that we're talking about, right? It's this. It's the reality that we see our sin, the negative expressions that we do belittle, that we do insult, that we do hate, that we do kill our neighbor by our thoughts, our words, our looks, our gestures, and hopefully not by actual deeds. But we're called to love, patience, peace-loving, gentleness, to be merciful, to be friendly, to protect our neighbors, to do good. This is about seeing the value of life. We see it clearly in the Old Testament. God tells us we're made in His image. Genesis 9, God tells Noah that anyone who takes the life of a man shall, by, shall be killed because God has made him in his image. And we see this continue on, continue on, even into the Old Testament laws. We see a law that's given that says that you should put a fence around the top of your house because they used to go on top of the house to have coolness in the evening. And the idea was, if you're going to have people on top of your house and you don't have a fence, then someone could fall off the top of your house and die. It's the same reason I, why today some of us have rules that you are, and some places have rules that you have to have a fence around your pool so nobody falls in when you're gone. There's even a rule about the fact that if you find a bird that's fallen from its nest that you are to leave it in its place and so on and so forth. Life is valuable and, and we see that in its fullest picture and image when Christ came to shed his blood for us. In that moment, he placed the highest value upon life. He could say, what will it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? He knows what that means. 
Because he died upon the cross, forsaken by his father, to gain his people. I want to end by a quick retelling of the Good Samaritan because we might get to this point and think to ourselves, well, who is my neighbor? That's what the expert on the wall did for Jesus. And the reason why Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan, the fact that this man was murdered and on the side of the road and the the, the, the Jewish man went by him and then somebody else went by him and then finally this Samaritan who's like, you know, a no good for nothing person, right? He's a half breed. He's not even a true Jew. The Samaritan stops and the Samaritan takes care of him and the Samaritan loves him and the Samaritan makes sure that he, makes sure that he is, make, makes sure that he's okay. And then Jesus asked, who is this man's neighbor? And the answer was, he who showed mercy to him. The point of the good Samaritan is that everyone is our neighbor. Everyone is our neighbor. Everyone we are called to love, to be patient to, peace-loving, gentle, merciful, friendly, to protect in every way that we can, and to do good even to our enemies. As we've gone through the commandments, we've done a threefold exposition, and I want to close with that. The first is, what's the intention of the sixth commandment? By forbidding murder, God teaches us that he hates the root of murder, envy, hatred, anger, vindictiveness, and God's sight, all such are murder. That's the intention of the sixth commandment. The negative expression is this, We are commanded not to belittle, insult, hate, or kill our neighbor. We're not to do this in our thoughts, words, looks, or body language, and certainly not by actual deeds. Neither are we to harm ourselves. And the positive expression is this. Not only are we not to kill our neighbor in any such way, but we are to love our neighbors as ourselves, being patient, peace-loving, gentle, merciful, and friendly to them. Therefore, we are to protect them from harm as much as we can to do good even to our enemies. People of God, if I could say anything about the sixth commandment to you, it would be this. That by the spirit of God, which lives in each one of us, we are to place the highest value upon life. We are to protect it in our own life, and we are to protect it, honor it, and value it in others. And that means... That above all, we would love as Christ has loved us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would give us your grace to live in gratitude as it corresponds to the sixth commandment. Lord, may we not murder by actual deeds, nor with our hearts, our thoughts, our words, our looks, or our body language. Lord, may you attack the root of murder in our lives. The envy, the hatred, the anger, the vindictiveness that remains in us by the flesh. And Lord, may you empower us 
to love our neighbor as ourselves, to be patient, peace-loving, gentle, merciful, and friendly to them all, to protect them from harm as much as we can, and to do good even to our enemies. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.